People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, we're back with another week of Kidney Talk. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And it's getting really <laughs> hot in here because we have a political candidate coming in. Oh, man. I tell you, what? what where do you get your source of news? You know, I am a total news junkie. I watch every single news outlet. I don't watch regular TV. I don't watch anything with actors in it. Can you believe that? <laughs> I watch all the news stations, CNN. CNN, MSN. I even watch Fox, which I know people go, oh my God, you watch Fox. But, you know, I, I like Fox uh, News. And those aren't actors on that show? Actors? <laughs> or is that a slighty... Oh my gosh. You know, I think everybody should give all the news organizations a chance. I even listen to uh, talk radio a lot. And I listen to, most of talk radio is a little bit uh, right of center, but I even listen to um, the Air America, which is total, extreme left wing. Did they go bankrupt? (laughs) Yeah, that's why they're extreme left wing. That's why they went bankrupt there. They're just, you know, very nasty. I I find them very nasty. Not like Kidney Talk, though. My favorite show is... Dancing with the Stars. Yes, I love Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) It's a very controversial show. But Keith Oberman. Do you ever watch Keith Oberman? He's an idiot. Oh, I love Keith Oberman. He's so left wing. He's so extreme left. I love his. Have you seen his The Worst Person of the World? Yeah, he's segment? the worst person of the world. But let's not talk about Keith <laughs> Oberman. We have better things to talk about. Uh, we, we're going to talk about Teresa. Teresa Freeman. You know, she is um, very prominent in New York State, actually. She's actually part of the Democratic Caucus, and she's on the state committee. She's been elected to the state committee of the Democratic Caucus for she New York. She is what we call a VIP. She's a mover and a shaker. Mover and a shaker. And not only is she popular so in New York that she actually challenged Hillary Clinton to an arm wrestling contest and beat her. Beat her senseless. Oh, I just love pretzels. Let's, let me see here. One serving is six pretzels? What, are they kidding me? Who only ate six pretzels? I have to stay on my renal diet. I know. I can bite part of one pretzel, then bite the side of another pretzel, and then I hook them together, and I can count that as one pretzel. Mm. Boy, that was good. You know what I love now? A big gulp. Now if I fill it up halfway, and then drink it, and refill it to the top... Now that won't count towards my daily fluid intake. Or will it? Make the connection. Eating high-sodium foods makes you thirsty, which will make you retain more fluids. Do you want to share a tip on how to stay within your fluid limit? Email us at kidneytalk at rsnhope.org, and we'll let our listeners in on your different tips. Well, we're here today with Teresa Freeman. Teresa Freeman? I love Teresa Freeman. Yeah, she's all the way from New York. And she makes me nervous, though, because she's a politician, and I don't really trust them. 
You don't trust them? No. She's she's advocating for our needs. Uh, I, I trust her. Teresa Freeman, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here. You look happy to be here. I have learned so much. See, we're teaching her. Isn't absolutely, this exciting? Absolutely. And, and so tell us about your history, how you got to be a kidney patient. Okay. In um, 2001, I thought I had a, a bad cold. So I was very, very sick, uh, running nose and things. So I decided to go to the hospital and they took blood from me. And the nurse said to me, you need to stay here. You have toxins in your system. I said, what? Toxins? I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I pay my toxins. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was in the hospital. I stayed overnight. And my primary doctor came to me, who is a very good friend of mine. Uh, He's a political friend of mine. And we was laughing and joking. And all of a sudden, I had a heart attack. No. Oh, right in front of it? Like you just right didn't feel good? Right in front of it. Oh. Did you know what was happening, Teresa? No. You just felt a, like a, a pain in a your A pain chest? and I passed out. Oh, my Lord. From what the nurses told me that they brought me to, and then I went out again. The next time I woke up, I was in intensive care, which was seven days later. So you were in a coma, basically. That's right. At that time, when I woke up, they still didn't tell me that I had a problem with my kidneys. Uh, matter of fact, I was in the hospital for three months. And when they I, say that you just had a problem with your heart? They say I had a problem with my heart. So when I went home, three weeks after I was home, I started feeling nauseous. And I just couldn't keep any food down. So I went back to the doctor and he sent me to the kidney specialist. And you were told you had kidney disease. What was the cause? Did you have high blood pressure? Did you I have did diabetes? I did not have high blood pressure do not have diabetes. And this is what he said to me. Do you want to wait until you pass out again? Or do you want to handle this situation now? I said to him, I need to go home and tell my husband. And I just didn't know how to tell him or my friends because they had just went through an episode with me being in a coma. They know they had given me 50-50 as chances to live. And I didn't know what to do. So you thought your problem was your heart, and then it turned out to be your kidneys. Kidney. So, Teresa, did are you saying that your kidney disease triggered the heart attack, or were they totally separate ailments? That they could never understand. They, or they didn't explain it they to They didn't you. explain it to me. And so, you know, I mean, I was already trying to get over the fact that I had a heart attack. I thought I'd never have a heart attack. Yeah, you're like, what organ's going to fail you next? <laughs> so I went home, and I told him. But what really was amazing, the doctor told him when he said it to me, I didn't faint. I just said to him, give me to 10 o'clock tonight and I will go to the hospital. Went home, told my husband who fell all out and everything. He fell out. How long have you been married when you told him this? You might not believe this. I've been with my husband 14 years and we've been married one year, October the 29th. Oh, well, so you were just newlyweds. Long long engagements. (laughs) And and what make it so bad, after I got ill, I kept telling him, no, I didn't want to get married. He demanded it. He wanted to pick the date, October the 29th, because I really wanted, if I was going to get married, I wanted to get married during the summer because I love the summer months. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened with that. 
And so you found out you had kidney disease. So how long after that did you go on dialysis? Well, I went in that night at 10 o'clock. And the, the next morning, they put it in my groin. Oh, you were really serious to need dialysis that fast. Wow, put you were on groin. death's door, man. Yes. And did you feel better after they started dialysis? Yes, I did. And then I realized I must have had this for a long time, and I just can't understand why it wasn't diagnosed because I go to the doctor, you know, and I was checked out. I had my physical examination every year. And mm-hmm. if I felt ill, I would go and check myself out. I just couldn't understand. It's amazing to me how many people have kidney disease and don't know yeah, it. Yeah, one in nine. One in nine people have chronic kidney disease and don't know it. Is that just amazing? It is because I had two friends um, that was on dialysis, professional people. And one of the reasons why I'm so happy that I'm here and one of the reasons why I start talking about it and really getting into it is because they have passed on. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't deal with going to be dialyzed. Uh, They chose to pass on? That's the way it seemed to me. They just decided not to do anything. They just couldn't take it. You know, one of them said, oh, I just can't take it uh the way she uh acted like she had aids she uh, didn't show up for treatments or take care of her no diet treat- if she went to treatment i would go to treatment with her her treatment was to be three hours she'd go and stay 20 minutes and say you got to take me off mm-hmm. doesn't take very long if you keep doing that because you need your full treatments how long have you been on hemodialysis now uh five years five years and are you on the transplant list yes i am and you look fabulous. I mean, you can't keep up with her. She's running all over the place. I mean, most people uh, can't believe it. You know, the strangest thing, one of our, our, our congressmen, you know, I'm just so proud of him, uh, Charles, Charlie Rain. I like Charlie Rain. Uh, he is uh, now Ways and Means, and we are good friends. So he's been knowing me a long time because I've been in the political realm for a long time. And I didn't know that he was on the board. For the kidney caucus, caucus, he's had and, family members that have had kidney disease, right? And I went to when I heard about uh, he was speaking. I went to the meeting. So he said, "Teresa, I'm glad to have you here, but why are you here?" <laughs> he had no idea. I said because I have kidney failure. He said you didn't have kidney failure when you was in the hospital because they all came. Mm-hmm. All my political uh, people came to see me, and they didn't say anything about no kidney uh, problems. So he said, when did that happen? I said, the same time that I went in and had the heart attacks. He couldn't believe it. He had no idea. So he brought me up because it was doing a break. He said, can you tell that she's on dialysis? I know people just can't imagine that I'm on dialysis either because I'm yeah. kind of like you. Yeah, I'm very active and everything. So when you meet people, you don't automatically say that I'm on dialysis or I'm a kidney patient. I didn't used to, but now I do. You do. Even when I speak in churches, even when I speak, you know why? Because I tell people to be careful about their health, to get more involved. And, you know. and then they'll say, well, wow, if it happened to her, maybe it could be happening right. to me. So we need to take yeah, a break. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to hear about when Bill Clinton, when you were in the hospital, Bill Clinton gave you a sponge bath. I'm not ready to make nice. I'm not ready to back down. I'm still mad as hell and I don't have time to go round and round and round. It's too late to make 
And now it's time to ask the nephrologist. Do you think there should be guidelines for dialysis for terminally ill patients or, or patients who are not coherent? And here's Dr. Alan Nissenson with the answer. That's a very timely question for many reasons. Um, and I'll start just by putting this in a broad context, which is if you look at the enormous cost of health care in this country, and this has been done with the Medicare program, it's been clearly shown that we spend an enormous amount of money in the last two to three months of life. And I'm not talking just about patients with kidney problems. I'm talking about in general because as a society, we haven't quite figured out what to do when people are approaching death, and it makes us all very uncomfortable, the medical profession as well as the public, and we kind of don't know how to grapple with this. Um, we have made enormous progress in nephrology in this regard, and one of the reasons is that for a long time since dialysis was introduced, Nephrologists have been troubled by the fact that some patients don't benefit from dialysis and never should get it. And it's not what the common public perception is of doctors, where doctors just want to do everything for everybody, and whether it's because they're altruistic or they want to make more money or whatever the reasons are that people give, there's this general perception that doctors just want to do everything they can, no matter what, until someone dies and they just don't give up. In our uh, field, though, we've seen right from the beginning of dialysis that there are clearly people, because of a whole variety of underlying medical conditions, who are not going to benefit from dialysis and where it's not doing them or their families a favor by putting them through this process. And several years ago, the Renal Physicians Association, which is the national association representing nephrologists, decided to develop a clinical practice guideline to help provide guidance and input to nephrologists for how to deal with this very difficult issue. And this guideline was developed with national experts on end-of-life care, on medical ethics, as well as nephrology and dialysis. And this guideline, which is available publicly, has been extremely helpful. It contains a lot of tools to help the doctors and the families decide, is this really going to be worth it for this person? Realizing that Every person is an individual, and even though you can go through all of these exercises, these are all just guides. They're tools to help people make decisions. They don't make decisions for you because each individual circumstance needs to be considered on its own. But there's no question that if the right partnership between families and doctors takes place when you have a patient as you alluded to in your question, is either terminally ill or demented or unable to really participate in decision-making, then guidelines of the sort are extremely helpful because they sort of set the conversation and they bring everyone onto the same page, which is how can we figure out what the best thing is for this individual person? And not just, you know, are we going to protect ourselves from a lawsuit or get into all of the things that at the end of the day really don't matter. What really matters is how can we make this person's life as productive or the highest quality it can be considering their underlying um, problems? So I think there should be more guidelines like this in general medicine, but I think this guideline in nephrology is really something that's been fabulous for us. 
The Ask the Nephrologist segment of this program is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition. The Renal Support Network and the Renal Physicians Association make no representations or warranties and provide no guarantees of any kind as to the accuracy of any information provided during the Ask the Nephrologist segment. Hi, my name is Jenny Huey. There is a critical shortage of organs. 91,000 people are waiting for a transplant. I am one of those people waiting for a kidney like many of you listening. I wait for my transplant coordinator to call me with the good news, that they have a kidney for me. Other young women my age are waiting for that special someone who they met online at that dating website, Match.com, to call. And I'm waiting for the right cross-match. It is important that we all inform our friends, family, and coworkers about the importance of becoming a donor and to make sure they sign a donor card. Also, they need to discuss this very important decision with their family. We all need to bring awareness to the public about the importance of giving the gift of life so I can continue on with my life, dialysis-free, and have guys waiting patiently by the phone for me. So, Teresa, tell us about your political career. That must be so interesting, being in New York, one of the ma- the most major city in the country. What do you do politically, and, and who do you know, and well, tell us I, who you like and who you don't tell like. Tell us the gossip. Okay. Well, for instance, I first started as a district leader. A district leader is a person who is a liaison between the community and the upper legislative people. Uh, what I do is whatever problems they have in their community, I will relate it to their cinnamon person, their council person, whatever. And I've been in this uh, over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, uh, I've been um, as a campaign coordinator and field operator for quite a many uh, political people. Matter of fact, I've worked with Wrangell. I work with the state. Assemblyman who is Keith Wright. He's been in office for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the city council person, I'd have been through by four or five city council people. And matter of fact, when Reverend Sharpton first ran for Senate, I was his field uh, coordinator. And then when he ran for president, I was one of his field coordinators. He is so funny. I have to tell you, who writes his material or does he, he write does. it? He, he is brilliant. I listened to him speak and he, he just... I love his style. Now, did you ever decide for yourself to run for an office? Well, I'm going to tell you, it was a lady that lived in the community. Um, She said, you're always helping someone. You're always helping everybody else. And I think you would be good at it. So I think you should run. So that's what happened. Did you did you run for an, another office though? Yeah, first I ran for district leader. That is, you have to be elected mm-hmm. by the people in your community, and then the state committee. So um, you're, she made it to the state committee. So she's representing uh, millions of people now. Yes, in the state of New York. 
Now, tell us, what are some of the issues that you hold near and dear to your heart? The health and housing. Mm-hmm. So are you important. for national health care policy? Of course I'm for that. Well, one of the things that we strive for at Renal Support Network, we have a program called the Kidney Advocacy Network. We can. We really encourage patients to become involved. Get to know your congressmen, your senators, your assembly members, your state senators. We need to put a face on kidney disease in this country. It's so important as we as you know the people who have the illness educate the lawmakers. Are you finding that more lawmakers are learning more and more about kidney disease today because of people educating them? I think so. I do know in my district um, that they are because um, at least once a month I have a health fair mm-hmm. um, and I will invite all of them and believe me, they come out so they hear um, different stories. Like I couldn't believe um, the gentleman right in my dialysis and been on dialysis 23 years. You know, I just didn't think that anyone would be on dialysis. Is he somebody who's in office or no? Oh, just somebody but, that you saw at the health fair that you right. had no idea. I couldn't understand. I, I really couldn't believe that because I'm going to tell you something. When you hear something like this or when someone tells you something like this, the only thing you do is two things you do. You, you get fear. Mm-hmm. And the second thing, you think you're going to leave this earth Yep, as mm-hmm. soon as possible. And a lot of people think that. You know, I was doing uh, some function one time, uh, personal appearance, and uh, I was riding in the elevator with the person who hired me. And they found out that I had kidney disease. And they said, oh, you're on dialysis, huh? And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, so you only have seven years to live then. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Where did they get that from? I, I think there's a statistic you told me about, Lori. Well, I think the average lifespan of a person who on kidney disease, and they take everybody, people who just start, who are on the, I like it's five to seven years or something like that. But that's taken into account people who are 90 years old. Um, they throw everybody in the bucket together. And a lot of people would have died no matter if they had kidney disease or not. Okay. I mean, old age is a factor when you die. Now, well, do, you, right. yeah, do you have any aspirations of higher office, like Congresswoman? Well, I'm thinking about running for the Assembly. Oh, okay. Of New York, right? Of New York. Is that an expensive race? I know in my district, Assembly is becoming really expensive. you got to raise so All much the races, money. You wouldn't it's, believe. It's getting, it's what do they spend insane. the money on besides posters and stuff like that? What, what is the money well, used for? the people for? in the community. Oh, yes. just, it takes money to work the people yes, in the community? Yes, yes. Because um, people, some of the people, you know, uh, you know, poor, they don't have a, a very good job. And so we get them to work and we pay them stipends to help us pass out literature, put up posters, get the information out, about coffee clutches, um, all different types of right, things. But, you know, you hear of a presidency having to raise multi, multi millions of dollars. Now why? Because they have to go all in the United States. Oh, that's true. That's true. We're coming into an incredible year of politics. I mean, um, there's so many people. You're obviously with the Democratic Party. Do you have any favorites that uh, you're yeah, backing right now? What are your right predictions now? for the uh, Democratic nomination and then presidency? Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, majority of the people are hoping for Hillary um, to really get the nomination. Um, I think they believe that's who is going to get the nomination. Yes. But I predict that there's going to be a very big surge for Barack Obama. Yes, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I got to meet him. They, we gave him a fundraiser, and 
he's very astute. Matter of fact, at the meeting with Hillary, I asked her would she picked him to be her, her running mate. Or her vice president? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. And surprising, she said she would because he's handsome, he's articulate. And I, I don't know if he smart. would accept it, though. Do you think he would accept it? I think he would if you would talk to him in the right fashion, meaning letting him know that we need him there, you mm-hmm. know, to bring out the issues. And then Senator Edwards or, you know, him I and like his wife, him his fact, wife being diagnosed with cancer. I like cancer. Edwards, too. Yeah, I like he's him, great. too. You he's know, wonderful. My main uh, focus when it comes to that time is to deal with the issues. Right. The issues that they're dealing with, health care, housing, employment, Mm-hmm. What are their goals and what they're going to do? And one of the things that I think is so important, and we need to remind all the people listening, that it's so important to vote. Kidney patients or family members, everybody needs to vote because I remind them that uh, the Medicare program and the Kidney Disease End Stage Renal Disease Act is an entitlement program. We need to go to our elected officials and tell them, thank you so much for supporting this program. I'm living proof that it works. Get to know them, become involved in the process I get so frustrated when people tell me oh I don't like uh, I don't like who's in office and I'm like well did you vote no well you don't have any room to complain you need to get out there you need to get become involved and one of the things that I really like about uh, Barack Obama that he spoke about which is so near and dear to my heart is he talks about hope and I think that you know as, as we're learning here at this meeting an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope but life is too demanding True. when you don't have hope. Everybody needs this in this country. And any candidate that talks about a better future and talks about hope and has a plan to back it up, I will support them. Well, that's one of the things that I do is when I go into the community, when I go to different tenant organizations, mm-hmm. that's what I do. Encourage Teach them you. to vote. You've been on dialysis for how long? Five years? Five years. And are you on the transplant list? Yes, I am. I just want to let you know that in the last three weeks, I know four people who've gotten a transplant. And guess what? Stephen First is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you know, I'm, I'm very, one more question because I'm very confused about something. When I saw your car and I saw Gingrich in 08, I didn't no. understand that. <laughs> no. Postman. Here you go. Hmm. I won the million-dollar giveaway sweepstakes. Oh, I finally got my tax refund check. Oh, my God. I I can't believe this. I got my order of Dairy Delicious. Oh, boy. Milkshakes, creamy soup, cereal with milk, and pudding. (laughs) Why is Mr. Smith so excited about his Dairy Delicious? I have a hint. You see, Mr. Smith is on dialysis, and Dairy Delicious is real milk especially created for kidney patients. It has half the potassium and half the phosphorus of regular 2% milk, but it has 100% of the flavor. Perfect for people who love dairy products and need to keep their lab values normal and dietitians happy. And most of all, it's delicious. Thousands who have tried Dairy Delicious sing its praises. See what I mean? To order your own Dairy Delicious and possibly get as excited as Mr. Smith here, call 1-877-4-DAIRY-7. That's 1-877-432-4797. Or visit DairyDelicious.com. Dairy healthy, dairy good, dairy delicious. The milk that's made for you.
does have a good relationship with the Clintons. Wow. <laughs> how do you like that? She knows how to get things done. She, she does. has such a commanding voice. And I mean, if she walked in a room and whatever you asked for, you would get it. I know. I mean, she you, she doesn't need a lobbyist. She is her own lobbyist. Oh, man. And, and she's very passionate been, about what she believes in. Yes. Too. Housing and health care. And it's so true. I mean, if you don't have your health and you don't have a house, I mean, life sucks. <laughs> you don't have your health, you don't have a house. Yeah, I would say life would suck at that point. You're a homeless, sick person. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.